Hi and welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly. I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan. Today's conversation is an extension of what we started to talk about last week. So as a re brief recap, some of the topics we talked about uh, were getting the ideal business happening for you. How does it work? What happens? Um, so as a, as a summary point and as an introduction into today's conversation, which is taking some of those components into a, another level of depth, um, begin with the end in mind, but pick something that resonates with you. So you've got to have an idea of the outcome, what you're doing this for, why you're actually putting the energy into this business, but choose something that resonates with you so that you enjoy the journey along the way and you get a sense of accomplishment from what you put into it. By the same token, you also need to be aware of the risks and the, the points of failure along the journey, whether they be self, whether they be the business model, or whether they be competition. And make sure that you've investigated each of those so that you have a greater clue and preparedness for um, those things that could potentially sideswipe you every now and again in the business. And finally, as a part of evolving the business, we want to build barriers to entry. We want to make it more difficult for the competition to take our market share. Now, they're the things that we, as a summary point, some of the things we talked about. The things we want to go into further, we also opened the conversation with last week. But those things are scale, continuity, leverage, and passivity. And these are the things that um, Perry highlighted after our conversation last week where there was some more depth that he thought might add greater value to people evolving their businesses for the outcome they want for their lives. So I suggest what we'll do, Perry, is we start with, with the first one that, that, that hits your hit list, which is scale. Tell me about what you wanted to introduce to um, offer an extra level of, of depth around the conversation on scale? Well, first of all, for scale, passivity, continuity and leverage, I just feel that this whole subject about what is the best business model is just so important to understand because if people make a mistake with this early on in their business, which is what most people tend to do, uh, they're just in all sorts of trouble. So I sort of wanted to just flesh it out and, and move into sort of sharing and explaining deeper insight around those four points. And part of my reasoning for doing that is to get people to think a little bit more creatively about those four options. Um, so if we start to look at scale, and we'll, we'll start off with a couple of key principles, and we will be sort of covering off on a couple of things that we said last week. But um, here's a basic one, Brendan. <laughs> if you... Um, What's it best to be able to sell a hundred of a product or a million of a product? Depends on profit. <laughs> okay, same <laughs> price point. So same margins, a hundred, same margins. Well, obvi obviously it's better to sell a million than a hundred if, if we're talking the same, the same product or the, the, the same profit margin, same revenue. C correct. So a, a good way of starting to think about uh, scale or how to get scale is what are the blockages that, that stop us from selling even more of, of what we have to offer. Now, I'm just gonna share a statement before we dig into that that sort of sets up the premise of, of scale. So a business that scales well will be able to maintain or even increase its level of performance or efficiency when tested by larger operational demands. Now that type of business can sell a billion of their product, a million of their product, and have no extra load or no, no roadblocks on their operational systems, for example. So when we start to analyze businesses, I'm gonna use, we, we can start to look at how do we get scale, what businesses can't give us scale. Now, if we're looking at a hair salon, Brendan, yep. and a, a hair salon has uh, enough room for two seats in that salon. And you'll see why this gets important. Then if there's two seats and each hairstyle takes an hour, therefore, you know, they're probably only going to be able to do 16 haircuts or hairstyles a day. So that's the maximum amount of scale in a salon of a certain size that can only hold two chairs. 
16 a day. So if you can extrapolate that out, six times 16, Mr. Masswiz, quick. <laughs> six, six, tens. All right, six, six is a 36, six, six, six tens of 60, we're at uh, 96. Okay, so you can see in, in that type of business that what, it was 96, was it? Did you say? Yep. Yep. Not, so there's 96 billable hours that that salon can maximize out of that space. So you can see that that is really reduced in scale, isn't it? Can you see that? Mm -hmm. 96 hours. Now, the moment that we go to four, a place that can have, have four seats, we're now looking at 190, go, 98 for Go, Mass Wiz. Come on. <laughs> 96 oh. times 2. Uh, 12, 1, 8, 192. Yeah, 192. So you can see then you've got 192 billable hours a week by having four seats. So that has increased scale. So the reason I bring this up is you can still look at, at all sorts of business models and, and start to look for restrictions on scale and start to look at those business models that don't have restriction, any restriction on scale or has, have, has less restriction on scale, okay? That's really, really important. Now, why is this important? This is important because of your end game. Now, if I go and buy a salon with those two seats, um, first of all, imagine I'm not a hairstylist, I'm just a business person, then uh, at 96 hours, I think it was, 96 hours billable a week, there's probably not the margins in there for me to employ two hairstylists and for me to run the business, okay? I'm not going to have great cash flow. Now, maybe I'm a hairstylist, so that means that I'm going to be working in the business all the time and I've got one offside of cutting hair with me. Now, again, that lack of scale basically means that I will be caught working in that business for as long as I own that business because it does not have the operational scale to provide the margins that I require, the profit margins that I require to pay myself to not be in the business. So this comes back again to, to models and numbers. If, if I can unblock uh, restrictions and scale, then I can get my volume to actually start to get right out of my business at that point. So as an example, we go to a salon and maybe it's, it's, at, it's at four seats, at four seats operating eight hours a day, that I can now be a business owner with that running, it's got a bit more scale than the two-seater salon, and now there's probably enough for me to be able to work on marketing that business, promoting that business, but not working in that business and having a decent lifestyle and some passivity. So passivity means that, you know, I'm at home and I've got the afternoon off. I spent the morning marketing for three hours. I've got the afternoon off and people are in there cutting hair like a cash flow uh, uh, machine are producing income for me. So does that make sense, Brendan? Indeed, absolutely. Yeah. So, so learning to look at business and think about how we can uh, unblock and create far more scale. Now, the problem with that kind of model, as we talked about last week, but let's just allude to it for a second, because it's important. In that type of model, we call it a mini-me model. Now, mini-me models are usually used by experts and specialists. So as an example, someone that's a plumber, someone that is a, a coach, someone that is an electrician. If they're looking at, being business owners, then they tend to need more scale because without scale, they have to work in their businesses. So to get scale, they go down the road of what we call the mini me model. And in the mini me model, if I'm an electrician, well, I'm a coach. So as a coach, I train other coaches so that when people come to my business, some of my coaches work with some of my clients. Okay, so that's a mini me model. Now, the problem with mini-me, and you get why we say mini-me, don't you? Of course, yes. It's you are it's, looking to duplicate yourself. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about what a beautiful world it would be if there was 20 Brendans. <laughs> <laughs> you we, said we're the just, nicest things, but yes, yeah, it would yeah. be great. 
Yeah. <laughs> you could be having a sleep right now because you've been out partying last night, I can tell, and your, your mini-me could be... be <laughs> <laughs> Not even close, not even close, dedicated. Dedicated. I'm joking, I know you haven't been. Anyway, um, so with the mini-me model, again, the problem is that you start to get into people issues and challenges. Um, And you can avoid that, by the way, if you uh, really learn to uh, recruit high performance to your team. Uh, High performers have a pretty amazing work ethic. So if you run a mini-me model, you have to have uh, A-class psychological understanding of people because you will be employing people that have what we call the high performer values. We won't go into that at the moment because if you get employee recruiting wrong in a, me mo- in a mini me model, you're just in for trouble because if you've got just average performers, you'll just spend your entire life micromanaging and then you get no passivity out of that business. Agree. Um, yep. Yeah. You. <clears throat> if you make a bad staff decision, there is a lot of discomfort associated with correcting it. Avoid it. Yeah. Correct. Now we'll go into say some of the other subjects just to finish this thing off the scale. And this is anything else you want to dig into it? Just to give you an, uh, another example, we did talk about this last week, but again, I wanted to dig deeper into these these concepts. So you you can see as an example with the salons. That floor space, the size of your premise is what controls, size of your premise is what controls scalability. Okay? Mm -hmm. Get that? Yep. In what's even better is if you if 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 you don't use a mini me model and you use software models, software models don't rely on human beings for the most part. So a software model gets set up, it gets built and you can have a million people use that software. So you can have 2 million people use that bit of software. And so there's unlimited scale in that and there's specificity because there's no human being required for the deliverability of that software because you're employing techies to to set it up and run it but we just take this to another place here because in in in, do you you, do you use dropbox brendan i do i do from time to time not 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 an avid user but a user from time to time right now you think about dropbox because this starts to come into say some of these models dropbox is a model that uh you, it, it, it sits alone apart from there's no one delivering it. There's techies working on it. There's backup servers and things like that, but it's built. It sits up there. We pay for it. So Dropbox, for those that, that don't know, is a, a cloud storage unit in the sky, in the, in the cloud, so to speak, so that we don't have to use external hard drives. It means that anyone in a business can get access to that. And not only that, they actually have a monthly fee. So you pay once and then you've got this monthly fee that you've got to pay. So when you start to look at that, that's just, just incredible because that model itself has um, scalability. There's no blocks to how many people can use it. They've got uh, the storage capacity storage, of the server, but, but, but then that's the just the technical change. And as you fill up, you can get another one and repeat. Correct. And then, so you've got unlimited scale. And then what you've got is what we call uh, continuity. So this is continuity income where each month they're being paid. Now, continuity income is a really important thing to understand when it comes to uh, the best type of business models. And here's the reason why. If you're a plumber, okay, if you're a plumber and especially if you're an odd job plumber, you'll spend almost your entire life trying to find new work all the time. Now, I don't know about you, Brendan, but whenever I've been in a business model like that, it's demoralizing. I was actually a uh, a hire a hubby sort of guy for a period of time. I actually, in in my early days, um, 
much younger days than I am, than my grey hair, grey hairs allow me to think now. But um, I was a, uh, a handyman and it was an odd jobs handyman. And amazingly, I actually didn't need to go on market and I had a lot of calls saying, come and do some work. So I actually had quite a lot of activity um, for people coming to, for, for me to do the works. The reason though was I was incredibly cheap and it wasn't a profitable business. So I, was, I ended up giving up my time um, for the benefit, you know, I was providing a community service. I didn't know I was providing a community service early <laughs> on, but I was providing a community service. I don't recommend that. But um, <laughs> it, it, you're right, there is a, where does my next dollar come from? Where does my next meal come from type mentality? Uh, unless you've got over a period of a long time, a, a, a reliability of a, a mass number of clients that keep calling you back for more work to do. Cool. The, yep, sorry. So, yeah, so um, you, you've, got to, you've got to invest that amount of time into the, into the process in order to have that return, return and repeat customer come back to you because you did such a great job, you were so um, uh, reasonably priced, et cetera, et cetera. And I did get some repeat customers. However, the, they were sporadic and far between. If you do a good job, so you, you're almost cutting your nose off to spot your face. If you do a really good job up front, they won't need you again for, for quite some time. Uh, so the, the chance for callback or the, the revenue from that individual client diminishes. Correct. And that's why when you think about, um, like, as you were talking, and I'm thinking about the plumber example again, and I'm thinking about, well, uh, where we used to live up in the, the, the north coast, we knew this amazing plumber really good plumber we loved the plumber i mean i we probably saw that plumber i don't know four times in 20 years right he was a go-to plumber but he's he's he we used him four times in 20 years now you think about that right so plumbers for the most part if, if you're doing call out in that home handyman part I'm, I'm a client i'm a client for life but i only use you four times a year four times in 20 years which means you're going to go out and get a lot of work and, 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 and influence a lot of people to get that work. So there's a whole bunch of effort and energy because plumbing for the most part is not something that's required all the time. Okay, can you get that? It's a massive database of clients. And, and yeah, if you want the regular income such that you don't need to market for it anymore, yes, you need to have a massive database of clients that you just occasionally promote to. Hi, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Correct. Now, I reckon that's demoralizing. Like when you, when you know and you've got what we call the feast and famine cycle, because that's what happens when you don't remember that we're talking about continuity. We've been sort of talked about scale a bit more. We're talking about continuity here. You'll see where this is going to go, which also ties into leverage. Um, you're just chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing clients all the time. So when we have continuity, it means that we work to get that client once okay we spend our marketing dollars to get that clients one that client once and then that client hopefully pays us for the rest of our life hopefully hopefully because <laughs> you, you'll see where i'm going to go but if you, if it, as you say sorry as you say if you've got a longevity and a repeatability in that you will get attrition no question people will will change their mind something will occur of that nature but the longevity allows you to get more clients and to scale up on your your business such that, um, you know, again, if you get 100 in and lose one, 100 in and lose one, 100 in and lose one, it's, it's a numbers game, but it's tolerable. C correct. So then we'll use, we'll go back to that thing I just said about, look, you want a client for life. I'm going to talk about Dropbox. I joined Dropbox when it first started. Now, look, that might be 10, 12 years. So, you know, basically I paid Dropbox a monthly or yearly fee for 12 years. I will probably pay, pay Dropbox a monthly or yearly fee for the next 12 years. So their marketing worked to get me once, right? And, and you think about that. I mean, that's astounding. That's amazing. They don't have to market to me again. I just use this service and it just gets automatically taken off my credit card. Boom, 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 boom. Now that is a brilliant business model because you've got high amounts of scale and repeat business through what we call the continuity model. Now that's absolutely perfect. Now if we come back to our plumber. You can apply the same principle to the plumber because as I said earlier on, Brendan, I wanted to use today to get people to start even thinking a bit more creatively about their businesses and 
how they can get this scale, continuity, leverage and passivity out of their business, okay? Because you can do it in any business. So as an example, the plumber. If the plumber thinks to themselves, okay, I want repeat business. Well, that plumber is probably better off going and aligning with all the builders in the area. That's the first one. The second one in all the hotel establishments in the area. Okay, like especially, especially, you know, hotels that have, you know, 400 rooms in them. Because, again, you start to see the same principles uh, applied. So I can go to the domestic market and, and you know, uh, I'm, I was a domestic client, as I said, and I, I got, I, I used my plumber four times in 20 years. Okay. With this approach, if you're going to the hotels, hundreds of jobs and same with the builder. So you can see the same principle applied because then we start to actually look at, at, at distribution networks or, or, or leverage because in, in, in just coming back to ground this out, the plumber going to the hotels, what they're doing is they're ensuring continuity income. Now that challenges the idea of scalability though. So while if the plumber can create the continuity, how does he get scalability? And the only way you could do that would be a series of mini me's with a variety of different um, hotel chains uh, and um, uh, developers, those in construction, um, or even shopping centers as an example where you've got a mass amount or a large building and a, a, a corporate body looking after a whole number of, of different units, um, body corporates for multi-unit multi, multi unit apartment blocks, that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, the, the mini-me model would then give you the scalability <laughs> and the larger clients with multiple requirements over a year or a series of months would give you the continuity. Yeah, I've, I've, I've watched some of my clients set up cleaning businesses in the same way. They were cleaners and then uh, the cleaning, uh, trading time for money, then using this approach, going and building relationships with the, with the big units, uh, sorry, the big hotel units, doing subcontracting um, with uh, rental accommodation, the web, uh, website. So as an example, you know, uh, all up and down the, the, the Eastern Seaboard of Australia, there are community hub websites for a particular area like you can go to port macquarie as an example and there's all the booking agencies for the holiday rentals uh these the, the the cleaners built relationships with with the accommodation places and ended up running a mini me model so again scale um and continuity income and using that approach mini me and continuity from the 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 uh, rental people the and I suppose, again, what we're looking for here is the ideal because, look, sometimes you can't get all those four aspects, uh, scale, continuity, continuity, leverage, and passivity. But if you can get all those aspects, you've got the best business model. Can you see that, Brendan? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you've got the best business model. And, 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 and typically for a lot of businesses, they won't get all uh, four, but they'll do their best to get two or three. And I think that's probably the best way to be approaching this. And it does provide people with sustainability. I mean, one unto itself provides opportunity for, for business growth, opportunity for um, uh, expansion of where you're going and, and, and to satisfy the objectives of you being in the business. And remember, and, and just to digress for a moment, this goes beyond... Oh, mm, the point I'm trying to make in this, in this short segue is um, if it resonates with you, if it is the reason you're on this planet, if you create it to be the reason on this, on this planet, then um, make sure that you can do what the, the scale, the, the leverage, the continuity, the, the, the passivity, make sure you can do that in the business structure that works around what resonates for you. Absolutely. But if you can't do the best you can with what you got, because what we're not encouraging here is for you to pick a business that has scalability, continuity, leverage, and passivity, but you hate doing it because that's not going to work either. Yeah, no. And even, even what a client will stand. So as an example, we know in, in our business that uh, w w we can have our models to deliver passivity, leverage. Um, so as an example, we can develop standalone trainings, etc. We can just run groups, which uh, creates leverage and continuity income. Um, but 
the, the best thing for our clients is to have one-on-one -on -one interaction with us. That's where we're able to fine tune them and get the most for them. So, uh, you know, we just know in our model, we, we have to have some uh, trading time for money. And of course we all like working with people, so that's okay. But we just know our model won't allow us what our clients expect won't allow us to have all aspects of that model in place. You know, that's just the, the nature of the type of work that we do. But in that, of course, you've already made the judgment call about how much you want, what you need, the end game, all the Correct. dollars around the, the lifestyle that you want to live. So you've made a decision around that and built a business model for the end game, the, the, the way you want it to play out in your life. And you've built a business accordingly that works for you relative to all of that rather than um, I'm just going to go the greed option for the most amount of money, etc. And uh, bugger it, I'll just do what the money says and then I'll enjoy life later. Because that's actually a bit of a recipe for disaster. Oh, that never works. And, and I think and this comes back, you're right. It is about taking time. So anyone listening to this, watching this, you really want to take into account the, the things that we're talking about today. And in the sense of scale, leverage, passivity, continuity, because once you understand that those four requirements give you a good business model, then you've got to look at, as, what, as Brendan just said, you need to go, okay, well, I really want this in my life. I, I want this amount of free time. I, I want to work this much and I want this, this money and I want this lifestyle. And, and then when you look at your business model, you can uh, set your business up so that it gives you that. So as an example, I just use this about me because it's something that I have to do um, and I might inspire you or give you some insight to this. Uh, I love freedom. I love to be able to travel and I, I don't want to be working face-to-face -face with people all the time. I just don't want to spend eight hours a day working face-to-face -face with people. It ruins my energy. There's a whole bunch of negative things if, if you go down that route. So. Uh, what I what I do is I work out well how many clients am I comfortable working with a week so it keeps my energy high keeps me motivated keeps me inspired because um, I actually I really love working with with clients and so once I've worked that out I can go okay well that means that I've I've, I've sorted out the hours I'm actually working face to face but I need more money so how else can I serve people and serve clients but I'm not willing to spend time face-to-face -face with clients so what other uh, systems or processes or product offerings can i give that allow me to create uh, more passive uh, in income streams and in, in doing this what i'm probably trying to share with everyone is is really really put together your model based on what you want what you love what you really really need which again comes back to why i wanted to do this today because i felt like this is such an important subject that you know, we, we want to drill quite deep in, into it. Of course, if what you do want is to create an empire um, that is a legacy of your time on this planet, is a legacy for your family, a legacy for who you are, for uh, creating something that's got generational support for uh, your children and their children. Um, if that's where you want to go and you're willing to put the hours in, then great, now is the time to be thinking about um, scalability, continuity, leverage, passivity, um, the, because it's only through those four channels uh, do you really get a sense of being able to create um, that, that empire. Uh, so spend the energy finding that which you enjoy that will still give you that outcome. Um, look for those things that your strengths within the ability to deliver on those four criteria um, Again, it requires a certain understanding around businesses and how they work in order to satisfy those four criteria. But if you can create that, then find the joy within that. That becomes a way of synergizing um, who you are with the, the business model you're looking to create with the outcome that you want. I, I, I want to talk about a couple of a couple other sort of strategies that come to mind or ways of running business too that encapsulate on, on this whole concept the the first one is licensing and franchising so when we have a a, a product or service actually I'll, I'll use an example so 
we have a client who had created this uh, amazing fish and chip shop. And this fish and chip shop sold like wedge, more wedge, you know, big, thick wedge type chips, really with real potatoes. There's a lot of uh, chips these days are made by reconstituted potatoes mixed with flour and all sorts of things. So it's cheaper. Real potatoes and a proprietary way of cooking the fish. And this place just went gangbusters. So what they did was that they documented the in, entire um, uh, their recipe, their menu, uh, the, 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 the decor within that place. And they, they, they went out and they sold franchises to it. So if you look at that process, there's a couple of things that go on because they developed that IP for their own shop. Mm -hmm. That shop really, really went well. So all they had to do then was document it and sell that documentation which is what they sold and licenses by the way so agreed you can't go outside these parameters to other business owners and those business owners actually then also paid them a monthly fee um, based on turnover so they paid upfront for the ip and then they were paying them monthly uh, a percentage of, of turnover so as an example that in that example what you see is again there's leverage there because they're leveraging the ip that they have they're then passing that to another business owner that's paying them and then there's continuity in that because there's a monthly license fee based on percentage as well so uh, and again these are just to get people to to think uh, another thing that we do this we have software that we take our clients through as training software, but that mm -hmm. software is licensed to other coaches to use. So you get a licensing fee. So again, I just want people to start thinking about, well, I got this idea or I've got this existing business. How else can I get uh, more from it, more passivity, more continuity, more leverage, more scale out of what I'm doing. And, and there's another idea that I, I want to just share with everybody. So anyone in business has a database. Um, well, you should have a database. Of, or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a point of interest, isn't it? Because a lot yeah, of- Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. should have a database of prospects and, and, and clients. And I, th I think I, I do this too. I think we, we all get too focused on, well, this is our clients. This is, these are our prospects, but a, a really good way of thinking again, from a, a leverage perspective and a passivity perspective is your, like as an example, Brendan, you've got a, a, a access to a whole database of people that are really interested in information about where the best places to buy property are and how, to buy property, right? Absolutely correct, to, yes. Yeah, right. So if, 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 if instead of you going and producing another product, there are plenty of other people that have products that clients on your database would utilize and use. Correct. And they, therefore you can form a, a joint venture or an agreement with them to uh, potentially or, or fee-for-service buy supply of information that you can then distribute to your people to support them in what they're looking to achieve. Correct. So you'd be looking for a value alignment there, like someone that's got Correct. something that's really going to be benefit property investors. And this works in a in, in pretty amazing way because then Brendan doesn't have to produce this product. He's just going to put in the agreement in place and maybe there's some emails or marketing that that person will supply. So Brendan doesn't have to do any work or very little work and he's going to get a percentage of every sale made. He didn't have to produce a profit. Uh, he didn't have to produce the product. So again, we start to look at leveraging and passivity or ideas about creating more passive income from businesses. So I hope that makes sense, Brendan. You can see I'm just being a bit more creative today and, 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 and just learning to look at things from a different perspective. One of the things that I've liked out of the conversation that you said so far is for those who already have a business or were even a business idea, the, um, put on your thinking caps and see how you can create or improve on scalability, continuity, leverage, and um, passivity. See, see what you can do to um, introduce those concepts if you've not thought of them within your business. 
if you're able to do that, then it's another channel for you to faster access that which you want your life to be, the lifestyle you want to live, the time you want back, the, the purpose for you running the business in the first place. It allows you to hone your, your attention and your interest into that which you're strong at, good at, and enjoy most. Um, and with more dollars allows you to leverage that which you are looking to avoid, that which you procrastinate on, that which you don't enjoy so much. So life becomes significantly greater on the journey as well as greater opportunity to, to have the life you want at the back end with passivity, scalability, le leverage, and um, continuity. I knew there was another one. <laughs> Great. Okay. Then I want to go to something else about continuity. And, and I want to go to this for a reason because I think we need to dig deeper into it. We sort of touched on it last week, but that is what, what I call consumables. So um, <laughs> we'll just have a look at this. So, you know, Brendan, you know, when you, you know, you, I know you love that really uh, deep, uh, red, the sort of pur purple tinge lipstick. I know how much you love that. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, yeah, passion for it. <laughs> yeah, your passion for it. Now, what I've noticed is that, like, you go through your lipstick, what, one, one, one of those lipstick doogies? Yeah, generally about seven, seven and a half days. How long? Seven, seven and a half days and you're out? Seven and a half days. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I lay it on fairly thick because my lips get very dry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well. and so what happens when you, when you've, you know, like you're like, you know, two days before you, you um, run out, what, what do you start thinking about? Well, again, I, I buy in bulk. So I, I look for packets. I get six at a time. It gives me about uh, six weeks, which is wonderful. But at the back end of my six weeks, if I've got two days left and I'm down to my last stick, I tell you, I'm a bit antsy and I've got to get to the shop really quick. Yeah, yeah great. You can, everyone gets the concept here. So if you have a consumable product, uh, we talked before about, say, Dropbox, which is, you know, each month or each year you pay this license. Spotify is another one, that music service. I use that. Each month, I think I pay 15 or 20 bucks for this for my family just each week because that, again, is a licensing fee. This is about consumables, which creates the same sort of setup because you've got to keep going back and buying it. So just in the same way as Brendan's got to keep going back, and, and buying that lipstick when he runs out because he doesn't want, he wants to stay looking beautiful. Um, <laughs> if, if you're selling, you know, like uh, I used to have some clients years ago that had a, a herbal prostate formula. And again, smart crew and, and, and they realized that prostate cancer was on the up and they were really into nutrition, uh, herbal products. This is preventative. Yep, preventative. Great. So uh, how frequently do you need it then? Yep, they've got to do it, like take one of these tablets every day. Yeah, so that's that. How many, how many boxes do you order in advance? <laughs> You're getting me back now. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so you, you get the concept. So again, for those listening and watching, you want to think about that. Like, is there any way I can develop um, a consumable? something that runs out so that people have got to keep coming back and, and buying it. Cause that falls back into what we talked about before. When you have got to go out and keep getting a new client who only buys from you once or two times, it's demoralizing having to be on that hunt all the time compared to if I get this client and they're going to keep coming back and buying this, uh, let's just say the prostate product, then that there's a, there's a really good quality, potentially a really good return on what we call return on marketing investment when you've got continuity through consumables in, in your business. What you're speaking uh, about, though, is one of the main themes for business. A new client costs significantly more than the retention of an existing one. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about the continuity because I, I just reckon that continuity. And so income, it's really important to, to wrap your head around because uh, of what you've just said, marketing costs so much. So if you can get a client and keep that client and keep them buying, then what it costs you to get them is uh, uh, constantly paid off to you into good profit because they're constantly buying and buying and buying. 
Can I get you to now touch on leverage? We haven't talked much about leverage and we haven't started a conversation around passivity yet. So let's talk a little bit about leverage for a short period. Tell me what you mean by leverage. Okay, well, we, we, we have kind of talked about leverage because, and we've, we have kind of talked about passivity, but we'll, we'll dig deeper into it because when, when I'm, I'm going to use the opposite to leverage. The opposite to leverage is trading time for money. Okay, trading time for money. Bear with me. Leverage means the definition of leverage is applying a small amount of force to get a great outcome. So, you know, when you use a lever and it, sh it shifts that really big, heavy thing, that's what we're talking about. So, leverage. How does it differ from scalability? Because isn't scalability a form of leverage? Scalability is a form of leverage. So, leverage underpins, the concept of leverage underpins a lot of what we're talking about. So, as an example, if, if, if you, Brendan, spend, uh, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, 20 hours writing an ebook, um, and that ebook is then put up on your website and someone writes, uh, you know, a 10, 10 sequence emails or what have you, and that starts to go out, those promotions start to go out and you get a JV partner and they, they market it to their database you'd consider that leverage because you've spent your eight hours working, your 20 hours working to produce this ebook. You've spent some time setting up the systems for distribution. Um, and that small amount of work, because you're working with large databases through JVs, provides you with a great return on that small amount of work. So that's a, a, a leverage strategy. In the same way as an example, um, uh, you'll get this. This is a perfect example of, of, of leverage. I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of leverage to, to, to really sort of qualify it. So again, you're probably getting the sense leverage is the underlying principle behind scale and passivity. Okay. It's actually the underlying principle. So um, I have clients who make this amazing chai tea and they did something incredible. They worked out how to make the highest quality chai tea in a faster amount of time than those syrupy chais, the syrupy chai mm -hmm. teas full of sugar. Now, cafes, just for the most part, don't want to sell high quality chai teas because it takes five minutes to eight minutes to make every chai, right? They want it to be instant. So this uh, client of ours worked out how to make high quality instant chai. And they were going from cafe to cafe to cafe to sell this chai and it was working good for them, but there was no leverage in that because Brendan, can you see there's no leverage if Brendan, you're, you've got this chai tea, you're out there just hitting the cafes, right? If I'm selling by knocking on doors, it's a tough gig. Correct. So what I suggested to them, again, leverage strategy is um, uh, identified some soy producers, soy milk producers, who had their own distribution. So they produced soy milk. Uh, one was Bonsoy. And they've got distribution happening all over Australia. So they've already got trucks going to cafes and delis all over Australia. So I got my client to ring these distribution networks and then give them a percentage on sale. Now, again, really important the cafes and delis that we wanted to chai in were, were aligned with the, the people we approached. So uh, other companies that were already distributing to those cafes and delis that we wanted to be in. So One, it's a, yeah, sorry, it's a, it's a relationship that is non-competing. Non-competing and aligned. And the, the, the distribution people go, well, geez, this is product aligned with ours. It's not competing and we're going to get extra money if we sell it. So Instead of going from cafe to cafe, they're making like, you know, maybe there's five or six phone calls, maybe there's 10 phone calls go into this before the deal's done to one organisation that's already distributing to cafes all over Australia. So you can see this is what we call a leverage strategy. Doing the deal with them, once the deal's done, you know, they just sit back in their, in their office and just get the orders from the from the distribution company. So that's a, a, a leverage strategy. So again, 
you want to look for leverage in pretty much everything you do because if, you, if you're leverage focused, you're looking at the smallest amount of effort or a small amount of effort that will get multiplied. Again, so you can see that was a multiplication strategy. There is a, yeah, uh, uh, another element to this, again, a, a multiplication strategy. We talked last week about experts. Well, if you're an expert and you're working one-to-one, -one, you say the same thing to each client you're in front of, pretty much, right? The same thing. It's like when you're doing coaching calls, yeah, I have that. Which is, again, which is why we've set up uh, webinars to cover the main topics that we do in the past, why we set up the manual that we've set up. It's sort of the purpose of being able to have people work through the material to get the fundamentals right, which would be otherwise repeated in, in coaching, mentoring conversations. So through that, then we have leverage in time and effort because we've done it once and it's a point of reference for um, mentorees, mentees to be able to then go and learn what they need to learn to move forward, um, supported by us, but without us, without those words necessarily coming out of our mouths. Great. So we can see, you can see everyone that's listening and watching us, that is a, a, a leverage strategy. They're working once, then that information set, sits up there. People can keep accessing that for all time. That also means that the, that Brendan doesn't have to keep saying the same thing. So it saves him a lot of time. So last one is passivity. Before we go, you were just asked about that. So passivity um, is really about passive income. And passivity, not all models can give you passivity. So a, a perfect model, is, as an example, of passivity has scale, continuity, and, uh, yeah, leverage scale, continuity, give you passivity typically that's so your dropbox example the guy who created dropbox is now lying in bed or on a beach somewhere and money keeps coming in uh, for the property investor it is i've bought myself a commercial uh outlet i've spent the i've earned my money i've spent my money and i've created a passive income from owning commercial property um easy to do and no time required on my part to maintain that so the passivity you're talking about, either business or property, uh, the, the, the passivity you're talking about is the ability to generate an income that you're not actually earning, um, that has the capacity to continue to feed you, but not in a declining way, but an inclining or an increasing way through the continuity, the leverage and the um, uh, scalability. Co correct. And to, to me, the passivity uh, element is the most important thing in a, a business if you want a good life if you want a good life but it's the idea of beginning with the end in mind isn't it how do i make the business that i want the how do i make the the activity that i'm currently putting into the world generate for me a passive income and how do i do that as fast as possible so that again the scalability the the leverage and the continuity are all channels towards creating the passivity um that, that comes to the back end of doing all that work and this comes back to modeling. So taking point, just quick, to quickly tell you about an ice cream shop. So uh, a friend of mine set up an ice cream shop in a high volume tourist town, high walk by volume tourist town in an area that gets extremely hot and even in winter has warm days. Now, uh, again, a scale it was, uh, um, there, there was scalability in the business. And scalability was controlled by floor size, that's meaning the number of staff that they could have. And so, so but they'd, they'd done their formulas because when you look at passivity, especially with mini-me models, you've got to do formulas. So, again, high, high, high walk-past traffic, which meant he did not have to spend a lot of money on advertising. Perfect location near the beach. Um, and... So he'd worked out that he could sell X amount of ice cream a week in summer, X amount of ice cream a week in winter. And to deliver that, he only needed three staff in peak periods, four staff, you know, in super peak periods and two staff in off peak periods. And by working out the numbers, then he was able to see that this thing can run without me other than being in a management role. 
and overseeing things. You know, he might have done eight hours work a week in there. The rest of the time he had off. He, he was quite an adventurous sports person. So he'd be away all the time competing and things like that. But that could run with him. Now, if you get one element of the model wrong, you cannot have the passivity. So as an example, you, you take an ice cream shop that, that it has been set up in an area that's got low volume, not a lot of walk-by traffic, um, that you've got to market and spend a lot of time, uh, effort and energy marketing, but they're not going to have the volume and the, the dollar cost for each client they get sort of puts the expenses up really high. And because that, and therefore what ends up happening is the owner must work in the business to get a wage. So, so you, can, you can start to understand that if you don't work on the model and understand the model, the financial flow of the model and, 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 and plan for passivity from the start, you're unlikely to get it because you've got to have certain elements of that model in place to get it. So rounding out this conversation then, what we're looking to achieve is something that resonates with you, something that you have a passion to want to build and enjoy doing, something that you can create a sense of scalability out of, create a sense of continuity from, um, create or generate some capacity for leverage to access that scalability and that continuity such that the back end you are coordinating within that the idea of passivity so that you can live the life you want. Um, if you follow a formula of that nature, then life is going to look pretty good for you over a period of time. Now that's not to say there won't be hassles or challenges or, or things that get in the way, but, but from the idea of, um, walking from the idea of I want a life that I am proud to be living and enjoy living with a game at the back that gives me what I want so that if I can't do this anymore or choose not to do this anymore or in fact choose to exit by selling, um, I've created something that will give me more of the money I need to live the life I want. Um, Perry, parting words. Oh, just again, to reiterate what we've been talking about today, this is a very important subject to me. It, it's, if I bring this back to me personally, it's like I want to have a good life, Brendan. And if I want to have a good life, I've got to be really looking at all these elements of a business model because if I don't look at continuity, scalability, leverage, passivity, and work out how I'm going to get that in, in a business model, then you're going to be trapped. So anyone wants you, you'll be trapped unless you really work on this. Now, me personally, I like to be able to travel during the year. And if I've got to be a resource in my business, to me, that's not a good business model. So when we start to reflect on the things that we've reflected on and look at how we can bring them into our businesses, it just means that we can, you know, have profit and free time from, from, from these models. It's just so important. Guys, until we meet again, invest wisely.